You are listening to a podcast from The National. Last month, The National kicked off its Generation Startup Series, a weekly profile of the most dynamic and exciting tech companies in the region. So far, we've profiled fintech firms, Titanium Escrow and MoneyNow, music streaming service Angami, e-commerce retailer for the masses Awok, more on later from the founder Ulugbek Yildashev, and Property Finder, which is one of our most established startups, if that doesn't contradict. This is the Business Extra podcast for our newsman in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief. There is a blossoming of entrepreneurial spirit in the region. That cannot be denied. There are so many stories of innovative, talented individuals going for it. There's also a developing venture capital and investment scene working to help the best of these individuals fulfill their ambitions. Everyone is working towards creating those unicorns, essentially companies or startups that are valued at above a billion dollars. Think of the likes of Uber when we talk about unicorns. We had a watershed moment in this region earlier this year when Amazon, the e-commerce retailer, bought our regional version, or what hopes to be our regional version, souk.com. Now, why was this significant? On a number of levels. First of all, a big name like Amazon looking at this region and saying, yes, they want to be there, that's a big vote of confidence for e-commerce and the wider digital economy. Number two, it was the first real exit in perhaps a decade since Yahoo bought MacTube. And that gives investors the belief that if they back something, that they can then make their money back and more later on. And it also creates a kind of buzz of which will be the next exit to come along. This is just the first of potentially many deals. And we did see a flurry of deal activity in the months that followed the deal in March. And that included Mohammed Alibar, the chairman of Umar Properties, buying Namshi, the fashion retailer, as well as some other moves in the marketplace. We feel like something is happening for sure. Now, as far as generation startup is concerned, there are some realities on the ground for trying to get from zero to unicorn. At the moment, we have aspiration, desire, and a lot of factors working towards that success. A lot of government policies in the UAE and the wider Gulf region have helped to push these potential uh, entrepreneurs along to kind of get into the tech startup scene. Also, we've had uh, a lot of investment focused on it now, institutional, individual, perhaps more than in previous years. Now, some of the drawbacks have been that we don't have investment in the right places. You go to friends and family, and then eventually you go to venture capital. But in between, you need an angel investment ecosystem to help get you between stage one and that crucial VC stage. Now, that's in the embryonic and perhaps fledgling and perhaps a little bit more than that. But still, we need that to continue more to help people. In general as well, People are looking at the cost of starting up businesses here, the cost of hiring talent. You want that talent being developed here. You want people developing technology solutions here. That's what will create our actual unicorns. 
To provide some insight into the realities on the ground for startups in the region, joining us by phone is Elisa Friha, an angel investor and the founder of Wimina, a Dubai-based angel investment platform. Thanks for joining us, Elisa. Thank you so much for having me, Mustafa. Thank you. Now, it seems... Happy to be here. Good. We're happy to have you. It seems that the startup scene <laughs> in the UAE and wider region is quite energetic at the moment both in terms of entrepreneurs and ideas. I mean, from your vantage point, uh, are you seeing that? Yes. I mean, not only in entrepreneurs uh, and ideas are we seeing this energy, but there's an accelerator popping up uh, every other week. Uh, there's more and more government governmental initiatives that are being launched to support entrepreneurs, not just local entrepreneurs, but international entrepreneurs coming here. And, uh, and we're seeing a lot of energy come in on the financing side as well. So more and more funds and VCs are, are having uh, a look into the region and into the UAE specifically um, to see what talent there is and where they can start deploying their capital. It's good to hear that the, the finan- there's a movement on financing because that can be a little bit of a tricky challenge, particularly between sort of the beginning of friends and family stage and then later the VC. And very much you founded your network um, to help uh, women angel investors get involved. And how important is it for the angel investor ecosystem to grow in this region to support entrepreneurs? So it's absolutely crucial because angel investing isn't just about the capital. Uh, it's more so about the mentorship. We're the, the craziest individuals that, that come on board um, after the founder themselves because we're coming in so early on and we don't necessarily have the same emotional attachment that friends and family do uh, in the entrepreneur. So we're really there because we believe in their passion and their ideas and their abilities. And what we're really bringing to the table more than just the capital is that mentorship, is the experiences, the talent, um, the time, and the connections that angels uniquely have. Uh, what are some of the, uh, I mean, we know that there's big opportunities in, in some of the sectors, and, and, and I'll ask you in a second some of the, the best ideas that you've come across. But in terms of the realities, the challenges, if you like, what's the most common bit of feedback you're getting from both sides, investors and entrepreneurs? I think one of the biggest challenges that we see is how to establish trust in a uh, timely manner. The Middle East is infamous for um, being a very relationship-based culture, and it takes a while to gain trust here. So a lot of funding and and business relationships are built after people get to know each other uh, over a few months or a few years. And unfortunately, venture capital and entrepreneurship is an industry that needs that you know uh, is very dependent on a very quick turnaround so we first came when when you know was first established we really wanted to streamline that process which at the time was taking about 12 months um to, for an entrepreneur to raise just seed funding uh, now within Wamina, we're able to cut that down to two months and i think that challenge of understanding okay what are the legislative issues uh what are the terms that we can set quickly? Can we standardize any of the processes um, to really get that key element um, to move a lot faster? And so to the opportunities, I mean, what are the most exciting ideas that, that you've come across in your work with the Wamina platform? So we've, we've invested in quite a few really exciting and innovative ideas. Uh, a lot of them come from entrepreneurs that 
because they've been launched in uh, emerging markets, they have a really unique perspective on how to solve a problem. So one of our most exciting companies is a company called Alum Health, which is a machine learning platform that helps uh, radiologists diagnose scans. And so it allows for uh, patients in developing countries to have better access to more reliable health care at an affordable price uh, that they may not be able to access otherwise. Another um, startup that we invested in is called WrapUp. This is a really unique productivity tool that allows for meeting notes and meetings to be much more efficient because you can record the meeting on your phone and it will automatically not only transcribe that meeting, but it can give you analytics on how productive the meeting was, how efficient it was, who was most efficient uh, in the meeting, how positive some of the, the points were, um, and allow you to search, you know, even in written format, what was said at the time. These are really, really unique um, solutions to problems that we see very much in developing and emerging markets. And what drew you to, to get involved in this, uh, to become an angel investor? It's not the easiest path, and, and perhaps you have to wait a long time for it to pay off, at least financially. Yeah, so it's actually um, <laughs> it's not the smartest thing to do um, if you're looking at very dependable investment. Uh, I got into it quite young. You know, the average angel investor is about 59 years old in the United States. Um, and it's also very much dominated by white males. So as a 23-year-old Arab female, uh, to jump into the angel investing space, um, I was really fueled by this passion to disrupt the way that the modern world is operating and to be able to solve some of the bigger problems that we're facing. Um, I loved the the drive of the entrepreneurs and I really get a lot of energy from this delusional optimism that the industry looks at. Uh, because I'm younger, I don't mind the five to ten year waiting line um, before seeing any of my returns. And I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm backed by a family office that believes in technology and in the future of technology in this world um, and trusts our decision making uh, in selecting the, the right companies to invest in. You've got a global perspective. You travel, you've been around the world and, and been to conferences and met with VCs elsewhere um, and investors and companies. It, it feels like we're in a watershed moment for this region in terms of, of startups and tech companies and, and maybe perhaps getting our own unicorn at some point. Uh, is, does that bear out in what you've seen? Uh, completely. We already have our own unicorn. You know, Kareem is the region's first unicorn. Um, it has over a billion dollars in, in value, and they have over 150,000 drivers uh, in dozens of cities uh, throughout the Middle East and Asia. And that's just the beginning of it. You know, I think the unicorn club has been getting more and more saturated in the United States as those valuations have become more and more inflated. The Middle East, it's really just the starting point. And as you're seeing more and more talent fluctuate to this region and more and more money coming to this region because of that talent, we're going to start seeing um, our, you know, uh, this, this uh, rolling stone kind of tumbling at a faster and faster speed uh, that I'm, I'm very excited to, to be a part of. Elisa, thanks so much for your time. And we hope we speak to you again soon. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, uh, I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know.
More Business Extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And Extra Time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to hear chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on iTunes or find us as always at thenational.ae. You're listening to The National's Business Extra podcast from our newsroom in Abu Dhabi. Weekly, we provide insight and additional analysis on the biggest business, economic and finance stories affecting us here, as well as the wider region and the world. Now, a really good example of somebody who's been tackling all of these challenges and also seizing the opportunities is the founder and CEO of AWOC. Ulugbek Yildashev started out uh, almost a decade ago in retail, in wholesale, coming from his home country, Kyrgyzstan. And he saw that there was a real window in terms of e-commerce retail. And when he saw a window, I don't mean niche, he went the opposite. He went for mass market. And perhaps that's even more challenging to go for the 60-70% of the population in the UAE and Gulf region who might not be in the high income level, but more in low to mid income level. But his story is fascinating. Ulugbek. Thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you. Um, we've been talking about uh, AWOC, your company, and uh, how it's in 2017, it's expected to achieve uh, even more growth uh, compared to previous years. Now, you're not even five years old, but you know what does 2017 look like for you? Very promising. After especially we have gone for different markets like uh, Saudi Arabia. And we feel that uh, that market uh, has even bigger problem than compared to United Arab Emirates. And when you say problem, you mean uh, the consumers have a problem they need solving. Consumer of accessing for uh, lower price products means uh, we call it uh, the the consumer segment, which is price cautious and has a utility need, which is need to close with as as cheaper as it is possible. So for this type of consumers, uh, our solution like website is serves them mainly. I mean, you're quite confident that the that this problem that you found because this is a problem that you personally had, um, you know, before you started this business is is one that uh, applies to a large portion of the population, not just in the UAE but the wider Middle East. As per uh, our analysis, it shows like let's say it is almost ninety plus percent population in the world. If we'll talk about that, right? Around 60 to 70 percent, which is in uh, United Arab Emirates, almost 80 percent in Saudi Arabia, and as well as uh, overall in the region, we'll find out uh, nearby 80 percent. And how many items does AWOC have available for sale? It's around 50,000 plus. And this is everything electronics, clothes, you all name the it. categories, 30 plus categories we cover today. And it was interesting. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier, and, and you were saying how, um, you know, for for a segment of the population in the UAE, um, shopping is not necessarily the same experience that the rest of us might have walking around some of the elegant and uh, expensive malls and going to some of the big brand names. In fact, they might go elsewhere um, to, um, you know, so maybe the discount, what consider the discount retail areas. But even then, when they go there, they've got a problem with language. They've got a problem with having to go to several different shops. They have to know how to negotiate, which not everyone can do. And also, how do they compare different items? So the, these are the kind of points that you're, you're trying to solve with, with AWOC. Uh, yeah, main, main objective in AWOC, what we are solving is a price, right? 
and access for goods, which is uh, can close your utility needs without having a brand name on top of it, right, written. Uh, when you are paying for a brand, it's expensive. You are paying for marketing, you're paying for that, what you say, the beauty of the shopping malls, you're paying for everything, right? Which is, in the end, you don't need. You want to just close your utility need. So at the same time, uh, you want to make sure that it is working. It has a quality, right? So this is the needs which is we are trying to close. And as you have mentioned, right, where the consumer, when he goes to uh, shopping malls or, or we call it like areas where you can get this access for this kind of products, you have to be able, first of all, negotiate. The second, you have to find out between the many shops, right, which is you're looking for. And the third, you need to spend a lot of time to access this areas, right? We need to either take a car, taxi, spend time, and it will not end up just purchasing the site. I minimum, mean, we have to spend for lunch or breakfast or dinner, whatever, depending on what time you are in the mall. And uh, plus, there will be extra spendings, right? Where in our website, you don't need to negotiate. We'll give you the best prices, which is guaranteed for you. Uh, the second, we will give you the convenience. We will deliver it to you. You don't need to spend money. You don't need to go outside, right? And if you have got any problem with that, we'll, we'll pick up from you and uh, we'll replace it. Now, the, the challenge to me seems twofold. One is when you're talking about price-conscious customers, that doesn't leave a lot on the table for you to take home in terms of, of, of margins. And then secondly, you have to solve this problem of what they call the last mile delivery, getting these goods in a, price, in a cost-efficient way to the actual customer that's ordered it. What's been your experience of both, both these sides of, of the business? Uh, what we call it problem or challenges creates opportunities, right? Uh, when you are having a product which is a low cost and your average basket of every customer is very low, right? You'll find out the how to self segment. Your KPIs will become much stronger. Today we uh, have a, that KPIs where our unit economics works very well. Uh, we don't have issue of working with unit economics. And at the same time, uh, when you're saying that this uh, price cautious customers are, well, nothing will leave you on the table. That's not about that uh, they are leaving or not. That's about what they are paying for, right? That's about, like, let's say I'm paying for an expensive brand or I'm paying the non-branded, the similar item, right? So in the end, we make both same game. It's, it's all about the same game. But uh, because of we were able to supply this product in huge quantities, we can still uh, make sure that our economics working. And in terms of logistics and delivery, how, how are you able to tackle that particular challenge? Initially, it was started very interested when uh, we started back in uh, 2013. That time was a huge problem in the region. That nobody was understanding what does mean e-commerce delivery, this first, right? When you say for the people cash on delivery, this care, and they will charge you an extra five to 10 dirham for that service. Uh, the price were becoming very expensive. Delivery times are unacceptable, and the return rate, rejecting rate is very high. At uh, that time, we start uh, thinking that let's create our own, right? Uh, after launching our website, um, it's almost three or four months after we created our own uh, logistic, with uh, only starting with two cars, uh, two vehicles we have taken, and we started delivering within the Dubai. And we find out, yeah, rejection rate, uh, delivery rate is very high, right? The rejection rate is low and delivery rate is very high, which made us uh, go through this uh, expansion and uh, finding out, I mean, changing the world of delivery, being a just uh, 
career company, they were not concentrating on this area, right? But there was a huge business opportunity. When they started growing in 2015, they have started noticing this area. And today's logistics companies are very much investing heavily for that area. And I believe, uh, as I say, that the existence of this problem will disappear within the next maybe three to four years. So the timing's pretty good in terms of, of how other big uh, logistics players have, have been making efforts to reduce the, the problems of e-commerce delivery. They've seen the opportunity. We, you know, we talked about some of the big players, Aramex, Mpost, um, other companies in the region who feel that e-commerce is really a growing opportunity that they need to be at the forefront of. But then at the same time, uh, you, you, know, you guys started your business five years ago. You couldn't be sure that this was going to happen. So you've had to invest in your own logistics. Yeah, we invested heavily. Uh, as I said, today is one of the, I mean, it's this much large, it's much larger than many uh, courier companies uh, in, the, in the country. Uh, and, and because of that problem, we solved the problem and created for us opportunity that uh, today our, we are serving our customers are much cheaper compared to others. And uh, we are quite happy that at that time this problem would exist because it created for us uh, opportunity. Right. So, so you kind of pivoted and you, you, yeah. took a, you took a challenge, you turned it into an opportunity. Um, if, if, I allow, if you allow me to delve into your background a little bit, you're from Kyrgyzstan. Yep. Um, you came to the UAE uh, just over 10 years ago. Uh, less than less than ten years ago, yep. and um, but your background since twelve years old, you've been you've been doing business. Is that right? I was I was into trading from twelve years old, and buying and selling the stuff. And at heart, you're a trader, for sure. <laughs> Buy it for a dollar, sell it for two. I mean, for two, it sometimes is not possible, but we are trying to do that. <laughs> sometimes we are buying for one and we are selling for half dollar. And is that the heart of AWOC? Is that are you are you the heart of AWOC? Are you are your your trader spirit, your trader mentality? Is that what drives it? I would say yes, because it transforms to all our team. Because today our teams are, uh, we can say, the team of traders, where everything we calculate in a base of how it works. How can I buy? Can I sell? When I want to go for a job, new job, uh, I want to be recruited. Basically, we're also buying and selling, right? The recruiter is buying you and you are selling yourself. Uh, when I'm going and uh, want to purchase something, I'm already a trader. I mean, the world, for me, it circulates around the trading. So everyone looks on his view, right, the world. That's why, uh, for me, the world circulates around the trading, even wherever we go, wherever, whatever we do, right? All the time we buy and sell. Either services, either ourselves, either uh, being a product, either being a, uh, I don't know, whatever. So, but in the end, we buy and sell. So the world uh, rounds on that. If you know that this is a formula, I think so you can break anything. And so having done this for 20 years now, um, you know, since, since, since childhood, um, what do you feel you have been the biggest lessons for you in, in, in terms of your career? Make sure that your partners are making money and make sure your customers are satisfied from your products. Until unless one of uh, one party is backing money and another party is satisfied from that, you still will be driving the game. Uh, was, was there any particular time, whether it was in the UAE or um, back home, where you felt like um, you know, you, you'd taken a wrong turn? Or that there was a, there was a period of, of your, where business, you were, you were looking in the wrong direction and you needed to change things? I already changed one time to UAE. I mean, come from Kyrgyzstan and started business in UAE. And I think so it was the best decision which is I made it. The UAE created us very good opportunity. Being an expat, you don't feel that you're an expat. They're creating, um, I mean, entire uh, tools, entire country is working 
to grow your company, to grow your uh, business. And they're creating rules uh, and we can say the uh, opportunities ecosystem in a way that uh, you can easily grow your business. And you come from several generations of traders. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, from a young age, you, you saw retail, you saw warehousing, you saw all of that. But how is it different uh, here in the UAE? What are the main differences? The main difference is it is uh, your team. I think so. it's also, again, an, another opportunity because you have got the many different nationalities. Uh, when I had this same similar uh, structure in Kyrgyzstan, we had only one nationality, right? Uh, where here you will find out the different nationalities with different culture. They will add a lot of value to your operation. They will come up with an idea, their experience, which is we have seen the, the good side of it, which has allowed us today to scale uh, for a level where it can serve a lot of uh, millions plus customers easily. We're talking because uh, we're looking at AWOC as part of our Generation Startup series, and we really believe that it's it's beginning of, of a new era. Um, we, the big watershed moment, perhaps, was the Amazon's acquisition of Souk, very much in your wheelhouse, because you know Souk is the probably the biggest um, e-commerce retail player, um, and you're in that area, so you must have seen that transaction and thought, "Whole, oh, this is something." This is going to change things for us. Uh, I would say when Amazon.com has invested in Sook.com, it gives us opportunity that uh, our market was noticed, right? Because if we'll see our penetration, uh, it's less than 1% in the region, right? I mean, it's nothing. But You're if talking you about e-commerce. E-commerce, it's all. Because now, if I don't know. Uh, e-commerce penetration is less than one uh, percent, and uh, at the same time, if you took smartphone penetration or you will took uh, internet penetration, it's huge, huge than any other markets, right? So, which means that segment in reality was not investing by either investors or either the that young entrepreneur or young uh, good talented people were not investing their timings, right? But after coming Amazon.com into the region, it really motivates the the first is a young entrepreneur, young talented people. Right. Uh, if they are enough motivated, they will invest a lot of time to make sure that they will create the startups, which is we cannot even think. And uh, and they will start to solving a lot of problems, which is in the region by growing the debt penetration. And as well as the investors will be motivated by uh, these talented people and will start to putting their money and they taking their risk uh, on their growth. And investors have been interested, obviously. Um, we've seen a flurry of deals, um, notably led by Mohammed Alaba, the Imad chairman. For example, he bought Jado Pado, again, uh, very much close to the space in which you operate in. Um, ha have investors been knocking at your door more than, than usual since the Amazon deal happened? I would say uh, they were knocking. I don't think so more than usual. And are you going to... Go for outside investment. I mean, you're, you're at right now. You've bootstrapped the business. Yep. From how how much was the initial investment that you put in? Uh, one hundred thousand dirham. And since then, you've reinvested. Yeah, we only reinvested. We don't invest anything more after that. So the initial investment was only thirty thousand uh, dollar in terms of the U.S. dollar. And uh, after that, we did not invest anything in terms of the investors. Yeah, I mean, we are very much open for the investment. Uh, we'll see. I mean, how it goes and how how it plays. So you're at the stage where. The business is, is break-even at this point. Yep. And you're at the stage where you're considering outside investors. Yep. We have, um, as you said, you know, currently we could have a, a new wave of entrepreneurship and, and individuals excited um, about starting their own startups. And you guys have been operating for almost five years now. So it's, it seems like the future is quite exciting. 
Um, but there, but there are also certain challenges that remain on the horizon. Uh, one of them being that um, you know we don't perhaps have a homogenous cross-border marketplace. Um, it's quite fragmented. Uh, for the last few months, you've been working in Saudi Arabia. Um, has has that changed much in the last year or so? I feel it much. It, it changed very much. Uh, not uh, about the logistic companies. Even it is optimized in terms of the. Uh, customs. I mean, customs also passing the goods. Now it's very much uh, smooth, without any problem, which will allow the. I mean, for the region to grow the e-commerce penetration, it will allow to bring the digitalization to the region. And I know that the Saudi Arabia is uh, with their vision was 2030 that uh, to digitalize the economy, and we have seen that one. They are really heavily investing on that area. And this is also allowing them to optimize that they are uh, customs, they optimize that they are uh, rules and regulation uh, towards that to support the uh, digital companies, e-commerce or digital enabled companies. Uh, there, there have been other markets, India, Nigeria. If we're talking about emerging markets where e-commerce has um, has seen some difficulties, primarily because competition had become a race to the bottom um, in many ways in those markets. And these were big, big populations, obviously. Um, but how do you avoid that when you've got Amazon now entering, um, you've potentially got Noon.com coming online this year, backed by, by uh, Mr. Alibar. Uh, isn't there a fear that you're, you guys at the price points that you're at are the ones that are gonna feel the most heat if the bigger players start to cut their prices? See, the segment which is we're operating, we're the first stoppers, right? Uh, we have not seen anyone who's operating yet in this segment. This is first. And second, if even though the second one will come for the same segment uh, to operate, there's many problems, first of all, need to be solved. And it is cannot be solved in one day because it's not the way of that uh, you can just pull into the money and get it, your KPI is working. Because the optimizing KPI is very important in our segment and uh, our uh, And when you say segment. optimizing, it means u- user experience, finding the website. I mean, what exactly are you referring work to? Work efficiency, uh, as you said, user experience, work efficiency, making sure that users are getting the... Uh, products on time, making sure that they are getting a quality products, quality processes. Uh, this is very much involved. When we are selling unbranded stuff, it's 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 involved with a lot of uh, risks behind, you know. Uh, in terms of the goods themselves. Yeah, in terms of the goods itself, right? And we are uh, controlled uh, with the economic department or the consumer rights, right? The, they are control the transaction between uh, businesses and the consumers. So making sure that they are getting the right products. On so the quality them. control, you feel that that's a barrier for somebody coming in to, to compete directly with and not you? Not only quality control, right? Because there is only the acquisition of the customer, understanding the business model, sourcing of the product, right products, right time with the right prices, uh, and bringing the uh, many other factors. And and then very important part is the technology because how we can build up your technology that it can serve, this is all, right? Because today we use a lot of uh, machine learnings, we use a lot of uh, big data uh, power because you need to enable big data, understand your consumer behavior right. If you don't understand them, you won't be able to get it uh, uh, right products at right time. Otherwise, you will end up uh, having a lot of inventory back end. And you've got over 500 employees, and you've been you've been hiring this year. Uh, 600 plus employees we have, and we are continuing to hiring. What areas uh, primarily this year? 
Uh, almost every. I mean, across the, every, because uh, as a company grows in uh, different markets, you need the specialty starting from the web developers, uh, technology team, ending with marketing, uh, drivers for our logistic companies, and fulfillment center employees, procurement department, everywhere. I mean, all, across all the departments. You talk about 600 employees within five years. That's You've scaled up quite considerably. The number of products you have online, somewhere in the region of 50,000 with how many different items? 30 plus categories. 30 plus categories. And then I hear um, for noon.com, for example, they talk about launching with 20 million uh, items online. Uh, and then you, you look at Amazon and they're talking about hundreds of millions of products. So you, it sounds like you're on big scale, but but you're not talking about these sort of millions of products. Uh, am I missing something here? See, uh, Amazon.com, first of all, uh, they don't have in this, for this region 100 plus million. Uh, they're very much limited for this region, uh, the first. And the second, it is uh, about their business models, right? Because what type of products they're targeting. Because in our segment, it is uh, having the amount of what we have, it's a good enough. Uh, and we also grow all the time. We are expecting that uh, within a year we'll double this uh, SQs, uh, if it's not more than that, because we're working now uh, increasing our SQs uh, portfolios. And as well as uh, when uh, known.com saying that they will be launching with a 20 million SQs, and that's amazing. I mean, we need to see <laughs> what SQs will be there, right, uh, in reality. And uh, second, if they are, they will launch with this many SQs if uh, successfully, uh, the supplying, sourcing, and delivering on time this many products will be another challenge uh, for a company which is just startup. And uh, we need to see the how uh, they will, what type of uh, product. Because as as our as per our knowledge, they are more fashion oriented. In fashion industries, you have a lot of SKUs. Uh, where ewalk.com today don't have uh, much apparels uh, and shoes, uh, we are just tapping into that market, which will increase our volumes. And Overall, though, it seems to be a good time for e-commerce. Um, and certainly, from what you're telling me, not just for you, but your competitors, it's a time when penetration could begin to increase. Um, look back, if we're looking to the future now for AWOC, two years now, three years from now, where do you see the company? In uh, different markets. This is first. And we will be seeing that our company will be making the huge impact in terms of the that unserved segment. Uh, um, different markets when we're talking about the uh, GCC and Middle East markets will be presented. And uh, of course, also in future, we, we are saying that uh, we should open up our platform for marketplace, uh, make sure that the third party sellers who are serving similar segment in different countries or the, within the countries were able to access for these customers because uh, the customers is not only for us. It's it's a, it's a shared economy where you need to understand that these people should be shared uh, within the uh, segment, I mean, within the other sellers. And opening up to third-party sellers, is could that increase your scale considerably in a very short period of time? That is. I mean, it is because uh, today we have a lot of customers uh, who are day-to-day uh, -day, uh, selling with us. And if we will open up our platform for other sellers, uh, it will give a uh, lot of different products to access for our customers within the prices, which is they are expecting. And 
if we looked at some of the bigger markets out there beyond the Middle East, from your where you're from originally, would you be looking at sort of Central Asia potentially? Would there be would there be a marketplace for AWOC beyond the Middle East, North Africa? Probably not in short term. And what's what's the reason for that? Is it that they're, they're already served? This pro- this problem doesn't exist. Uh, the problem itself is not existing a huge scale. This is first and second. Uh, internet penetration, smartphone penetration, it requires a bit of time. I mean, itself ecosystem is not ready. I think so today. But uh, when it is ready, I mean, we'll be happy to go and serve that segment as well over there. Um, and you talk a little bit about internet penetration and demographics and uh, and to a certain extent, the UAE's efforts to improve ICT um, access for people um, has helped us to have very high levels of, of smartphone penetration, internet penetration. Uh, so, you know, in terms of timing, a business like yours, where perhaps one of the problems could have been for your segment, that mid to low segment, access to internet that problem has been solved for you isn't it by by do and etisalat and these guys uh when we are we were starting this business back in 2013 right because you were taking into consideration if government is investing in these areas if government is uh building the for you the ecosystem to grow the digital economy right and we find out that Emir- uh, arab emirates uh united arab emirates has completely solved this problem, basically. And there was no existence of uh, accessing to the consumer or the consumer accessing to the digital economy, right? So it was uh, very much solved and the economy was ready. And uh, we like the division of uh, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed, where he's saying that uh, the digital, uh, digitalizing the entire uh, government and as well as the economy. So this is the where I think so that the vision it uh, supports the uh, this type of business like e-commerce and other uh, fintech economy or the, any other technology businesses. So the digital economy is obviously disrupting retail and yep. it's disrupting finance and banking. Can you see any other areas in which it might do something similar? Uh, it will disrupt uh, logistics, which is happening. We have seen already it is already disrupting the the tourism, right? Hotel business, any other businesses. It is disrupting already the ride-hailing businesses uh, where there's uh, Uber, Kareem. We have seen already their success, right? Amazingly. And I'm sure they will be disrupting the all the all different economies. Ulugbek Yildashev, CEO and founder of AWOC. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. You can read more about Ulugbek and AWOC in my article in print and online. And remember, fuller coverage of Generation Startup, you can also read, watch and listen on www.thenational.ae. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to this and our other shows on iTunes. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi. Join us again next week.